Before we get into this week's episode of the UNI podcast, we think it's important to address what's happening in Nigeria. The Special Anti-Robbery Squad, SARS, was put in place to protect civilians from armed robbers. Instead, they extort, harass, attack, and kill innocent youth. What can you do? You can use your voice on social media to inform the world about what's happening in Nigeria. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the UNI podcast and for joining us as we open up our second file of season two, our mental health file. Our first interview for this series is with Jordan A. Madison. Jordan is a licensed clinical marriage and family therapist and founder of Therapy Is My Jam. She desires to reduce the stigma around mental health in the Black community, along with building an understanding of the intersectionalities around being a Black woman and how all of that impacts overall wellness. Here's our conversation with Jordan. The UNI podcast promotes love, happiness, and abundance. Through storytelling and sisterhood, they encourage self-love, a balanced worth ethic, and a healthy life. This is Ozzy and Caro, and thank you so much for listening to the UNI podcast. Congrats on 10K on Instagram. We saw that. Thank you. Out here growing. You You know, by the grace of God. Amen. I love that. We are doing a mental health file where we bring different guests in who are interested in mental health or who specialize in mental health. And we saw your page. We saw, you know, your therapy is my gem and um, all the positive interactions you're having with people on social media. So we just thought you'd be amazing for the mental health, for a mental health episode. And you could talk to us about your story, talk about, you know how you got here and you know what you're hoping to do in the future so awesome yeah but um let's jump in and we'll start with where are you from so I am from Brooklyn New York um well I was born in Atlanta but grew up spent most of my life in Brooklyn um returned to Atlanta for college I went to Spelman College for undergrad and then I moved to Maryland for grad school and I've been here ever since so okay are you still in grad school right now no I okay. graduated uh, about two years ago that sounds nice so congrats I'm looking <laughs> thank you looking <laughs> to that date honestly school just seems like an everlasting journey that does grad not school was college is fun grad school was was not it was it was it was hard <laughs> I mean, college was fun before Corona, but let's just hope for the best now. I just, I keep saying, I'm so glad I'm not in school. I feel so horrible for yeah, like current hard. college and high school students. I don't know about you, but third year is, is hitting me. I'm not having fun. My class load and just how hard my classes are is, it's crazy. Freshman year was fun. Sophomore year was okay, but like junior year is when they crank it up. So I don't know. It's been rough. You get a head on. Um, So what is your story? So I told you a bit about it. So I guess, yeah, I grew up in Brooklyn. Going to Spelman for college was absolutely amazing. Um, While being at Spelman, I was the president of Peppers, which was a club 
about mental health and it was kind of like being the student liaison in between like the students and the counseling center so I was president of that and it was all about reducing the stigma of mental health so that is what really helped me see like okay it's definitely stigmatized in the black community I knew that I wanted to be a therapist before going into Spelman um I had watched an episode of Grey's Anatomy and an episode of Grey's did it for me. And uh, do you, do you two watch Grey's? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it was, it was like season four and Meredith basically had to go see a therapist cause she, you know, she already did the whole bomb thing and then the fairy, all that stuff. So anyway, she was in therapy and her therapist helped her to realize what her mom meant when she said be extraordinary and she had like this aha moment. And I remember thinking, I want to be able to do that for other people. Like I want to be able to provide that. So from there, I was probably like 12, 13. So I knew I wanted to be a therapist from then. Wasn't sure what kind or what type of therapist though. Went to Spelman, majored in psychology. Like I said, I was president of that club. And in college was when we had the, um, Michael Brown was murdered in 2014. So that was right before my junior year. And I got really passionate about that. I remember like starting protests and doing certain things and, and just really feeling touched and moved by that. And I remember thinking yet again, this is another black man who's been taken from his family. Like how, like if I'm torn up about it, imagine the people that knew him, like how does his family deal with that after? So that's when I started realizing I wanted to be able to be a person that helps the black community heal because I feel like we are constantly having to heal because stuff is constantly happening. This year is a great example of that. Um, so that's when I was starting to realize, okay, I definitely care about families and how relationships are impacted. Plus, I always liked being the person that my friends came to when they had relationship drama or whatever the case may be. And then I learned that I could go to school, get my master's in marriage and family therapy. That would take about two years or so. And then I could get fully licensed in, in practice. I thought that I needed a PhD to be able to see clients. So when I realized that I didn't need that, it was like, oh, okay, I can do what I want in a shorter amount of time focused on the people I want. And that's that. So that's kind of my story of how I became a therapist. You don't need a PhD to be a therapist? No, I have no PhD. I have a master's degree. I have over a thousand hours of client hours because you do have to be licensed to be a therapist. So there are certain requirements that you need to have, like a master's degree and hours with clients um, and a lot of other stuff and money because you have to pay a lot of fees. But no, you do not need a PhD. Oh, that's actually really interesting because I remember my last roommate, she completely changed her field because she's like, I'm not going all the way to a PhD. She wanted to be a therapist. She's like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to go to the PhD level. 
So that's actually cool information. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You don't have to be. And I don't know why that's always a. I mean, you get paid more probably if you get the PhD and the doctor in front of your name. Probably not. Probably. I'm sure that helps. But it's not a requirement. How do you think you've gotten to where you are now? Like, was there ever a time where, you know, you thought you couldn't do this anymore? Um, Or have you always been so motivated in the reason why that you never really thought about the kind of like the journey it would take you? There were definitely moments where I thought I couldn't make it. I mean, even just earlier this year, I was stressed because... So Okay, so I knew I would make it because I know myself, I know that I am motivated, I know that, you know, whatever I set out to do, usually it gets done, it happens by the grace of God, by myself and my hard work, by like family, friends helping, whatever the case may be, it gets done. So I knew that I would get there, but there were definitely moments where I was like, I don't know how this is going to work, so... Grad school was definitely one because that was stressful and I ended up doing a thesis and I was worried about how I would get my thesis done. We had to have 400 hours of seeing clients to graduate. I was worried about how I would get that. So there's definitely been moments where I'm like, how is this going to work? How am I going to do it? Somehow, some way, I was able to do my thesis and get those hours and that was a lot, but I was able to do it. Graduated. After graduation, you take, I think I, and this is only for the state of Maryland, each therapist, depending on what state they're licensed in, they may have different processes. But for me, it was, I took in like the marriage and family therapy exam right before I graduated because I wanted to do it while everything was sharp. So then I could graduate and not be stressed out. After passing that, I had to take the Maryland jurisprudence exam, which is basically like Maryland laws and stuff that you would need to know as a therapist. And then after I passed that, you I would be able to be licensed to see clients, but as an LGMFT. And LGMFT stands for Licensed Graduate Marriage and Family Therapist. So I was able to see clients, but I had to have a supervisor. So in that time period, you have two years to get 1,000 hours of client hours and 100 hours of supervision. You also have to pay for the supervision. Well, I I had to pay for my supervision because the place that I work is a private practice and it's great, but there were no other marriage and family therapists there. So I couldn't go to them for supervision. I had to find another supervisor myself and pay for it. I can recall like literally February of this year, freaking out, telling my friends, I don't know how I'm gonna make these hours. I don't have enough supervision hours. I don't have enough money to pay for the supervision hours. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I wasn't seeing enough clients. I was probably seeing like, 10 or 11 clients a week and that was not going to get me to where I needed to be. That sounds like so much. So I was freaking out. That already sounds like so much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that was like February. Obviously, we know COVID hit in March. 
Um, my clients started increasing because I remember like praying on it, but I also remember starting to help out at my practice and answer phone calls and do more stuff because I was like, I need to get clients. So I don't know what's happening, but I need to start answering calls, whatever it takes. I need to start getting clients. So I did that. COVID happens. I'm working from home. I have more time to see more people, more people want to take care of their mental health because we're in a pandemic. So honestly, it kind of like skyrocketed from there. And I was able to see more clients. I figured out like a payment plan for the supervisor I had. Um, And yeah, I got fully licensed in July of this year. So like two months ago. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. What? (laughs) Thank you so much. So, but I mean, there were moments of me literally crying or just like how am I going to do this like I knew I would be like I knew I would do it it was just the how like I don't see it happening so there's definitely been moments where I'm like I don't know if this is gonna work or if I can do this but it ends up working out so that's all I'll say on that one (laughs) that's great congratulations honestly congrats um thank you so much yeah July was like just so wait how is your how has it been now that you're you know out of that situation what is it looking like for you now there's so much more relief and I don't I mean I still get supervised because I think it's helpful to like talk to a supervisor about clients that you're seeing it's just not as often because I was behind on hours so I was seeing I was getting like three hours of supervision a week now I do like one hour every two weeks so it's not as frequent and then I still get supervision at my job but it's definitely been a weight lifted off it's also been cheaper because now I'm not paying off a payment plan um of how I was going to pay for my supervision so that's been helpful now that I'm fully licensed it opens more doors I can like practice on my own I mean I technically could have had my own practice before but I didn't want to do that because I wanted to gain knowledge experience working under someone else um so technically I can open my own practice I'm not set on doing that yet because I feel like that is a lot of like I know that's the end goal so I'm like if I accomplish that now then what like then what would I be working towards but also now I'm like okay I need new goals because I've accomplished what I wanted to do now what you know so I'm teetering between like just relaxing for a second because you did what you needed to do and just enjoy that and do what you're doing now but also feeling like okay what else can I do to expand or what else can I do to keep growing so you know my platform has definitely been helpful I'm still working at the same private practice that I've been working at um for the past like two years or so um so that hasn't changed but I have been thinking about in my free time either doing something for myself or just trying to figure out how I can expand and do more on my own Mm. so kind of actually going off of that how did therapy is my jam come about and you know your role and then the message behind that and then how do you think that therapy I just the phrase itself is just so interesting um so like how, how what's the story behind that So that was also, and I know I keep saying that this is God, but like that 
was him too because my initials are jam my full name is jordan ashley madison so that's where the jam came from i've had that name all my life (laughs) why i didn't think about calling my page therapy is my jam when i first started no idea but when i first started my instagram page in january of 2019 my name was perfectly imbalanced it was a name it was like already my social media name um one of my best friends had given it to me because i'm a libra and whatever and so i'd used that because i felt like even though like no one is always no one is like perfectly balanced and has everything figured out so i but that doesn't mean that something's wrong with you so i felt like perfectly imbalanced was a great name i don't even know I, i don't even know where therapy is my jam came from oh i think it came from there we go i think it came because i wanted to create t-shirts i wanted to create something that reduced the stigma around going to therapy and stuff like that and so i thought of therapy as my jam as something to put on the t-shirts and then i was like wait a minute (laughs) i should just make everything therapy is my jam so that's kind of where it started and i changed my did it like a rebranding of my instagram and stuff in january of 2020 and so yeah therapy is my jam is still fairly new actually after doing some digging on your website i'm just gonna like quote a portion of it you said i provide black men and women with the necessary tools so tools needed to prioritize their self-care build and maintain fulfilling relationships so i personally loved that portion when i read through your website and i just wanted to know why are black men and women your target audience and can you speak more as to why you cater to this group well one i think because I am a black woman, I know some of, and that doesn't mean because I'm a black woman, I know every single thing that every black woman goes to, but I know some of the things that keep us away from therapy in the black community. And because there's this stigma around it, there's this belief that like black people don't go to therapy or black people don't, don't get depressed or we're not like, there's all these stigmas. We're strong. Um, yeah. we're, we're exactly you know, things like that. Yeah, I know, I know. Right, but if you look at statistics, we are depressed. We do the same thing that the majority does. So, but we just don't seek out help for it. And so, I felt like having someone that looks like you would be helpful, right? And one way that it kind of went back again to Michael Brown. Like it was like. Okay, I did organize a protest. I went to some. I liked that. But I realized I'm not necessarily about that life, about like being in the streets protesting all the time because sometimes it can be dangerous. And what can I do to help that is more like my style and more me? And it was like, I know that I want to be a therapist. I know that I'm interested in this. I can use my skills, my gifts to help heal. And I focus on the black community because we don't always get the chance to do that and because we don't take advantage of doing it. And so I'm hoping that by seeing someone that looks like you, it makes you more comfortable. And I emphasize black men and women because there's a lot of stuff for black women and then there's a lot of stuff for black men. But I don't always see things that focus on both. It's always like one or the other. And they're great platforms that cater to both. But because 
I care about the black community in general and I don't want to separate it by gender. And because I'm a couple and family therapist and I care about relationships, I don't want it to be one-sided, you know? I don't want it to be only women because then it's like, well, what about the men or the relationships that women are in? If they are with men, then what, you know? So I wanted it to be where I cater to both. So we touched on this a little bit in the beginning, but what is it like having a social media platform dedicated to mental health? Um, seeing that this, seeing that studies have shown that people now suffer from higher rates of depression and anxiety due to how social media has intertwined with their lives. So, what was your what was your meaning in creating a platform on social media regarding mental health? So when I first created it, I had the idea to create it. But I felt like, what's the point? Everyone's talking about mental health now. What am I going to say that's different? Blah, 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 right? Um, But then I had a conversation with my best friend, and she inspired me and told me, like, you should definitely just go for it, make it. And then I want to say that next day I spoke to my mom, and she was like, you should definitely make one you're trying to get at that time this was january of 2019 so i really didn't have that many clients and my mom was like you're trying to you know do these things put yourself out there so my goal was to just make a name for myself but then also to create content that is helpful content that is motivational content that is about mental health but doesn't make it so scary you know like i talk about self-care a lot i do self-care saturday videos and it's just me showing how I take care of myself. It's nothing fancy. It'll be me in a hair mask. It'll be me, I don't know. Like, it will It won't be anything, like, super fancy, but it's just these are simple ways that you can take care of myself and wanting to show people that I'm practicing what I preach. Like, I tell my clients to take care of myself, and I'm also doing the same thing. I love that you touched on, like, self-care and taking care of yourself because... When we initially started the conversation, I just wanted to know more about how do you deal with your own mental health while working in the mental health field? And is there a balance? Like, how does that all work out? You definitely have to have a balance. Like, you have to. I see probably about 20 clients a week. Wow, that's a now. Wow. That's a lot. You're 20 busy. people? And... Oh gosh, I don't even I don't think I can count 20 people I talk to on a regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I'm I'm definitely like over Zoom. I'm over any of the fun social things that people have been doing for COVID. I'm like I I am on Zoom all the time. I don't want to do this. But um I space it out. I don't work on Fridays. I don't see clients on Fridays. I do other work, but I don't see clients on Fridays. I make sure that I have breaks. After I'm done with clients, I am selective. It depends on my day because some days my phone will just go on do not disturb. I'm not in the mood. But I also am very close to family and friends and I want to like maintain those relationships. So it's like I try to um, try to balance doing both. Um, but I lost my train of thought. Oh, but I take care of myself. You know, by either setting boundaries, trying to go to sleep early, doesn't always work, but trying to do that. Um, today for my self-care, I rewarded myself with food, even though I've gone to the gym 
all week and then I just got Chick-fil-A. So it kind of <laughs> like Chick-fil-A. takes oh back. <laughs> I had reward points and I was like, well, might as well. But anyways, um, so I find little things to do that rewards myself or that makes me feel good, whether it be taking breaks or meditating. Um, I do hair masks, um, yoga, listen to music, you know, stuff like that. So I try to make sure that I'm incorporating that. I also liked how you touched on in the beginning of Ozzy's question the importance of like the importance of having someone that looks like you when you go to therapy mm-hmm. because I remember I have a couple of conversations with people like black men and black women and they kind of just always goes back to I'm not going to go sit in a room and talk to about my feelings to a white man and I was like that's not exactly how therapy should look so do you want to speak a little bit more on the importance of having a therapist that looks like you and kind of bridging that gap that people kind of think that is obviously there I guess well I think that it's helpful um because Like, I don't think that the therapist has to look like you for it to work. No, there are good therapists that can empathize and that can be what you need and they don't look like you. So I don't think it has to be that. But I do think it is helpful when you have someone that looks like you and can possibly understand certain things. Like, I know I have clients who are talking about transitioning and I already know what that means because I went from getting perms to being natural like or just certain struggles that she was facing and it's like oh yeah I faced that too like small stuff like that but that can help you feel understood or help you feel like your experiences are understood I get a lot of people who want a therapist that looks like them because it just feels a little easier it's already hard to tell your whole life story to a stranger but to have to explain what Like, if you're telling a story and you have to explain what, I don't know, the itis is or that, I'm just trying to think of, like, culturally things that, like, we would know, but you might have to explain that. That can feel exhausting or it can feel like not only do I have to explain myself and what's going on, but I also have to explain these certain nuances and it's just easier sometimes when you have someone that knows and understands that. Um, and we talked about this a little bit in the beginning about why um, oh, that you're a marriage and family therapist, but what made you specialize in that? Um, and then what are the benefits and what are the, what are the benefits and what are the classifiers rather for knowing what, when your relationship or family needs a therapist? So what made me specialize in it was again, just being really interested in how relationships work and even like I see individuals as well so it's not like I only see couples and families and even when I see individuals a lot of individuals come to therapy because of relationship problems um so I'm looking at the individual as a part of a system and it helps to I think that's like that's why I chose it because I feel like it's all connected our family is like the foundation of where we learn things, where we get certain things. And then couples are just really fun to work with. They're definitely my favorite. And I have always appreciated that you are literally in the room helping 
two different people see one thing or come to an agreement or something like that. And with couples, like both sides can have very valid points and can be completely right. And it's trying to help them hear each other and communicate and understand each other better. So that's always really exciting for me. And then the second part of your question was like, how do you know it's time or it's necessary for your, so I would say, honestly, even if there's nothing wrong, like I think people assume something has to be wrong for you to go to therapy. Oh, that was going to be my next question. But sometimes it can just be, yeah. <laughs> I'm psychic. <Yeah. laughs> um, sometimes it can be just maintenance or it can be learning tools so that when something does go wrong, you already have the tools and know how to cope, right? So I know for myself, I go, I haven't been to therapy recently, um, but I was going to therapy not because something was wrong, but just because it was another self-care activity that I was doing, you know, a place to just unwind, talk about whatever was on my mind and just have someone that doesn't know me and doesn't judge me, just listen. So it doesn't have to be that something is wrong for you to do it. And, but I mean, if there are certain warning signs, I'd maybe say just noticing a lot of tension, a lot of arguments that are happening in the house. If it feels like, people are ganging up on each other, you know, stuff like that, where it's like, okay, we need to lay some stuff out on the table, or there's maybe some patterns that you're noticing. Um, Maybe like parents fight a lot. Now the kid is starting to act out in school. That's a very common one, right? People assume, okay, it's the kid. The kid is the issue because they're acting out, but sometimes it's what they're seeing in the home or, something else that's triggering that. Um, I other I also think another helpful time period would be during times of change, times of transition. If parents are getting a divorce or a new baby is coming or you just moved or something that could shift the family dynamic, I think would be helpful to have a therapist during those times. Hmm. And then... You talked about this, about being the therapist friend um, in your friend group. And I just, I have a question about that, especially for people in like regular, you know, friendship groups who are, I guess, the therapist. Um, mm-hmm. Does it ever get tiring um, mm-hmm. being the therapist? What do you do when, you know, you find yourself always hearing other people's problems, but you never get a chance to, I guess, unload on your problems or things like that? Well, one, that's why it's helpful to go to therapy. Two, I have really good... Well, two, I do have really good friends. So I am the person that my friends come to and unload. But I also know that if I needed to unload, they would listen as well. And I also have to have boundaries. Because if I'm not in the place... If I've already been hearing people unload all day, I may not want to hear that from someone else after I'm done with work. So that may mean that I just don't answer that call or whatever the case may be sometimes. And not like that's a regular thing. It's just I would need to call you back or I had a long day or something like that. So it can definitely be tiring hearing everyone else's stuff. And it's really important for me to have someone that hears me and that listens to my stuff. I will say my friends are kind of conscious of that. So most of them. I feel like there's like some that still are like, oh, like you're the therapist, so let me come to you. 
Um, but some of them are conscious of that and check in on me or ask if I'm in a good space first before they unload. So you, it depends on who you surround yourself with. With that, I remember you saying that everything doesn't need to be going bad for you to go into therapy. So mm-hmm. I know when you go into because I was signing up for a therapist like earlier in the summer, but when you initially go to therapy, what should be ultimately like the goal that you're going for to get out of it? Because initially I went in there and I was like, I don't have a goal, but I'm just here because I don't even know if anything's wrong. I'm just like in this weird spot. So I'm going to go. So I know you said that it doesn't need to be anything wrong, but should you ultimately go into therapy with a goal? Or is that kind of just defeating the entire purpose of therapy? No, I don't think going in with a goal defeats the purpose. I think it's helpful and your therapist can know what to work on or what where to start or what you're needing. So I think it's helpful to have a goal. I don't necessarily think you need one because like I said, it doesn't have to be that something is wrong. But maybe the goal then is exploring things like exploring your upbringing or exploring maybe different beliefs that you have and where that comes from. It doesn't have to be, I'm sad, fix this. You know, it can be other stuff. Like I'm noticing I keep dating the same type of people or I am having trouble with my self-esteem. Like those are things that don't always seem like problems or they don't always seem tangible or easy to recognize and therapy can help you realize that sometimes it can be that you don't even come up with a goal or think about what you want to fix until you start talking to someone and the therapist may suggest or notice different patterns for you and bring it to your intention in a gentle way and it makes you say okay huh that is something I want to work on or you know whatever the case may be this is a super random question, um, but I'm guess I'm just. Are you a Christian? Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So my question is, I guess I think there's a stigma where I guess Christians believe that there's no use or there's no need for therapists because we have, you know, our faith. We have our faith to rely on. So I guess what is your, what is your opinion on that? That faith without works is dead and Mm -hmm. that you can have faith, but if you're not going to do some type of work, then, you know, God created therapists. Like, it's not like therapists are not real or that they are bad people of this society or anything like that. Like, they were created for a reason and you can go to church and believe in God and still have a therapist. A therapist is not your fixer. It's not someone that you idolize or pray to or anything that you know a therapist does not hold God's place so it's not like you can only do one or the other you know it is a place where you can unwind sometimes you need that that doesn't mean that you're weak it doesn't mean that you're not believing in God you can believe in God and also still be really sad you know I think even this what we're going through now in this pandemic it's rough you can still believe in God and still be sad you can still believe in God and feel tired and burnt out. And yeah, you can pray to him, but maybe there's some patterns or some symptoms that you're going through that are not going away because you're not addressing them. 
and therapy can be a place for you to do that i never thought of it like that thank you mm-hmm. um and then i guess looking into the future as best as you can <laughs> where do you see therapy is my jam in the future what are your goals with your impact that's a great question because i've been trying to ask myself that lately and i'm still trying to figure it out like i said earlier i'm in this place now where i'm like okay great you accomplished all your goals you went to college you went to grad school you got licensed now you're fully licensed now what so i'm trying to think of what i want that to be i know for sure i want my own practice down the line when i was younger i used to think that i need i could do that by like 30 at this point I'm, I have a while till I get to 30 and I feel like I can definitely have a practice before then. So that's definitely a goal. Um, in terms of expanding, a dream of mine is to be on Black Love. I don't know why. I don't know how. They don't have therapists on there yet, but I'm like, if it they ever a have role. a therapist on yeah. there. Exactly. You can so, just make it something. You can make your, your you know, own role. That's, that's what I'm hoping for. But, um. You know, I have, yeah, I, I really think that that's, that's something that I've been needing to like work on and really think through because I haven't fully thought of what I want this to be. I know I want it to be a private practice. I know I want to continue to help and heal people. I know I've been given opportunities to be on podcasts or to do certain things. So I want to continue doing that, be on more podcasts and maybe TV shows. I don't know. That'd be cool. But you know, um, that's, that's something that I want to do. I want to create more things I've been working on kind of, I've been working on writing more so that I can increase blog posts. But then also I do think it would be great for me to like write books, whether it be about, um, the ideas I have in my mind, at least so far, or like a book on healing after a breakup or a book for couples or a book about how to cope with like racial trauma and the stuff that we're experiencing. Cause my, my thesis was around that. So writing a book, having my own practice are definitely two big ish goals. But again, I feel like those can be accomplished soon so trying to think bigger I just haven't been able to do that yet with all of that what do you think is one of the most important lessons you've learned from therapy is my jam to just start because I had no idea what I was doing I I had first of all like I said therapy is my jam wasn't even the original page um if you were to scroll all the way down to my instagram it is it's not disorganized per se but it does not look like how it looks now um, it does. that's worry. literally what our podcast that's, that's yeah us. <laughs> like so i would say just start like you don't have to have every single thing figured out because sometimes that makes you take longer or you know whatever the case may be so i would say just start and, and you'd surprise yourself. Um, I I started the Instagram. That was interesting. It had an interesting start, but, you know, it got to where it is now, which I don't even know how that happened, but, again, it happens. Um, and then 
I remember like working on my website and just starting to do little things because it was like, this is what I think my next steps are. So just start stuff. Be patient with yourself along the way. It doesn't have to be perfect. Be open to opportunities. There's, I never thought that my Instagram page would get to 10K, but here we are. I was open to opportunities. I'd talk to people on IG Live or be on podcasts or do whatever the case may be. And those were never things that I planned when I first was making the page. So just start, just be open, trust yourself, but then also be gentle with yourself. And then what would your tip be um, to all the black women and men listening to this podcast to help them with their mental health journey? I don't know if I can make it one tip. All right. But I will try we can, to we can we can do we can make do shorten it. Um <laughs> one I think just being aware of your mental health, acknowledging it. If you're sad, that is okay. If you are angry, that is okay. Like having emotions is okay. It does not make you weak. It does not make something wrong with you. You know, in the black community, it's like, oh, I have to be the strong black woman or I have to be the strong black man and all this weight is on me, but it's okay to acknowledge that some days you can't be that and that's okay. So I would say acknowledge what you're going through. Talk about it with someone that you trust, with people that you trust, because they probably are feeling the same way too. So just talking about it and taking time for yourself. It's okay to say no. It's okay to relax. It's okay to stop for a second and just be still and do something that takes care of you. I feel like black women in particular are so used to being the partners and the parents and the and doing all this stuff. And that's not to say that black men are not partners and parents either, but I think men are a little more socialized to be selfish and to do what they want, whereas women were socialized to cater to and nurture and not do that. So take time for yourself. You know, that's okay. And... Thank you for that. And I guess our last question for the interview will be, who do you look up to in the mental health space? And if you could tell your younger self anything, what would it be? Well, those are two questions, but (laughs) 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 just like push them together as one. Um... The first person that comes to mind is actually Dr. Joy. She was the creator of Therapy for Black Girls, or not was, she is the creator for Therapy for Black Girls. I remember finding her page in college in like 2014, 2015, loving her page, loving everything about it. And actually, she at the time, I don't know exactly what she does now in addition to Therapy for Black Girls, but at the time, she was working at Clark which is right next to Spelman. So I was able to meet her. She probably does not remember this, but I was able to meet her and ask her questions and just really, you know, figure out how I can be her, basically. So that that's the first person that comes to mind because she has created, I mean, she's blown up. Like, Therapy for Black Girls was not what it is now. It was not that five years ago, you know, when I first met her. It is huge, and it's amazing to see that she has normalized 
black girls going to therapy and created a directory. Like if anyone asks me, oh, I'm looking for a therapist here, I always give them that directory. She's done so much. So that would definitely be someone that I admire in the therapy world. And what I would tell my younger self, mm, I guess I would just say that everything's going to work out. Like there are going to be moments where you're stressed or worried and trying to figure out how, but now that I've made it through some of the difficulties, cause you know, you never know what is ahead. Hopefully things are smooth sailing, but now that I've made it through some, I'm able to look back and say, Oh, I was worried for nothing. Like <laughs> it all turned out fine. So just trusting that you have everything that you need and just to keep doing what you're doing and you will, things will come together, you know, for your good. And just, it's going to be okay, basically. Wow, that just ended this episode just so nicely. Full like, circle. <laughs> <Whoa. Yeah. laughs> um, but thank, thank you. you so much for joining us on the UNI podcast. This was a beautiful conversation. Well, thank um, you both yeah, so much for having so me. Just so grateful for having you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the UNI podcast. If you love this episode as much as we did, rate and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Also, check out our show notes for all of our links, including our Cheers to Better You guide and workbook. New episodes drop every week on Monday. We can't wait to hang out with you again. We'll talk soon. Bye.